This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 686 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. On today's show, we are going to be joined by Lee and Sarah Tubman. Plus, we're going to review our book of the month, and Reese and I have a trainer tip. Reese Coppler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Hi, Phil. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you, Reese? I am great. We just finished recording the show, and I'm pumped for the show. This is a great show, but I've missed <laughs> you as well. So much has happened. Yeah, we've been we've been away for a week. Uh, we did an early review or an early recording. Um, so that you could go to regionals, which was in St. Louis, I guess. And, uh, yes. Yep. T- tell us St. all Louis. about it. Yeah. So I went to St. Louis and first of all, um, I had like, oh, I don't even remember. I-, I had a lot of listeners come up and say hi to, uh, to me. And, uh, that was so sweet and special. Thank you guys all for doing that. I had a couple of them and I know Phil, you've had this happen at the warm up when I'm talking people or I'm talking and, and I get kind of a funny look. Um, and, uh, I, you know, then I know the look now and I introduced myself and it was so cute and I really enjoyed meeting everybody. That was so sweet. Uh, and now we'll have to do a, a meetup at the, at the national championships. So, uh, it was, a, it was an interesting week. My horses were really good. Uh, they haven't, that was a big ask for both horses actually. So, uh, my younger one, uh, poor guy, like he'd never been in a stadium before. And when I was in the warm up, I was like, something was wrong. And Miss Lori, who was wonderful, she groomed for me and was went with me. Um, I, I said, Miss Lori, did you see anything? Like something's weird on the right side. Phil, I've never had this happen before. And at some point, you just have to laugh. Um, he, that horse, it was his fourth horse show. He's not very experienced, but to his credit, he was a star. He was so well behaved. And we were in a, there are two coliseums and they're kind of linked by this tunnel. It's kind of a difficult venue. You know what I mean? It's not an easy venue. And the coliseum we were in was really dark and the footing was quite deep and lots of um, fans. So it was a big ask for him to go in there. And he was a little bit in the warm up. I, I think honestly, he was just nervous and he had to poo poo. And we get all the way through the test to the very end for my last canter trot transition was, was supposed to be at sea. I'm like pretty happy with this test. I'm like, all right, I'm killing it. This is going great. He had to stop and poop. I've never had this happen. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those where he legitimately stopped and it's really not the time to just start kicking like a pony clubber. And <laughs> I like gave one good kick and he just was like, nope. And, uh, Y'all, I just laughed. I just, I kind of laughed. The judge kind of laughed. The one judge had a little bit better sense of humor and he gave me a four walked. The other judge gave me a one unfortunate uh, poop. And, uh, you know, poop. I mean, yeah. what do you do? What do you yeah, do? I, think I, I don't know. I had that this year or maybe it was last year in the, in the walk pirouettes. Yeah. When the horse got to go, he's got to go, you know, um, <laughs> And he's yeah. never done it under saddle. Like I've had the horse uh, since December and I'm I like that more than like, does he, has he done this before? Like he really doesn't poop under saddle. So I think he was just so nervous. Um, and, and honestly, the owners were great. I mean, I showed him the video and they're like, that was a really nice test. And I was like, I know. <laughs> so that was him. Um, and that was, he, and he, and again, he was so, I, I can't fault him and it's okay. And in a lot of ways, as you know, like it's at first level, it's very competitive and, uh, you know, I really want to show him, I want to get him going and doing more. And if I were to have made the national championships, I would kind of have to hold him back. And now I can just train him and get him ready for Florida and doing third and fourth level. He's ready for that. Um, but I've been kind of held back a little bit, but he was a, a star and then follow me, Big Mike. Yeah. Uh, you guys are so cute. Everybody asked about Big Mike because, uh, I, you know, got him from, you know, you guys know the whole story, uh, when he was four and he's 10 now 
Um, he was wild. I got him off the horse trailer and I was like, what is going on? And I own big Mike with my parents and, and another sponsor. So, um, you know, I, I, he's my horse. I enjoy him and he's wild. I'm like, what is wrong with you? And then I'm like, Oh, oops. He has not been to an away show, which wasn't even really an away show. It was at the horse park. He had spent two nights in November or regionals last year, which was October. And then he spent one night at, at the horse park for the nationals. Really, since then, he hasn't been off the farm. He hasn't had to sh- ship seven hours. So I was like, oh, okay, oops. So he was he was fine. He had a lunge the first day, and then he was actually really good. And then I had to go back in that same really dark indoor. It was kind of deep. And I honestly had a super I won. Also, he I didn't prep him. Uh, you know, I've really trained hard this summer and spent my money on training and uh, kind of made it call not to go to any horse shows um, since March was the last time he showed. And um, I went, Phil, you'd have been so proud of me. Sometimes I don't prep for my pirouettes. I came on that short diagonal for the I one guys. I was feeling it. I was like, yes, he had been so good. I had no mistakes up to that point. And I gave a half halt and big Mike just listened so well and did a beautiful walk transition. And I was like, oops. And he was supposed to be pirouetting. Mm-hmm. so i mean it, i couldn't fault him you know it was one of those uh, you know it, it was it was a little miscommunication i didn't back up my half fault very well and uh but he listened so well so that was disappointing i uh, would have been uh it was very costly because it's a double score and that i won uh, that dropped us several placings because it was so tight so i was that it's okay and then he came back in the freestyle and it actually was really good and then again, Phil, I, you know, I've been so good, but I bit have competed a lot recently. And then, uh, not so much this summer, um, the, in the, in, in, around, in the FEI ring, I've been showing a bit, but not in the FEI ring. And, and I went the wrong way. Well, I, I hit the wrong diagonal line, just went for extended trot in the diagonal. And I was supposed to go to the center line in my freestyle. And I was like, Oh no, but I turned around and went the other way. It's a freestyle. Yeah. I mean, it was a freestyle. Yeah. Just do what you want. Yeah. But it rocked me and it rocked. He was like, Whoa, what, what are we doing? Um, so, but I was so proud of my horse. I really was. He really, I didn't set him up the best and he really shined for me. So I was really excited. So he is qualified for nationals in both the I one and the freestyle. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to it. And I was so proud of him. It just made me smile because he tried really hard. So <laughs> um, you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, fantastic. I mean, that's the best feeling as a yeah. rider is like, yeah. um, you know, you ask the horse to listen and he over listens and over listens. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah. And any kind of steering ash- error should, you know, what, what, what did, um, Charlotte say? Slap, slap the rider, pat the horse. Yeah. That's how I felt. I felt like I didn't give him the best ride. So I'll be really ready for nationals. And, uh, but I was really thrilled to, to be there again, as you guys know, I'm, I'm really close to the horse park. So, um, uh, you know, it's, it's always an honor to be able to, to ride there and, and to make it. So I am really looking forward to taking him and, and, you know, uh, I won't spend one night. He gets, he gets to spend the whole time. I've already done my entry. So knock on wood, uh, that goes well. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. So congratulations to everybody, uh, who made it in and had good regionals and, uh, there are more regional championships going on this weekend and also in the next couple of weeks. So um, I just wish everybody well and, and good rides and, and enjoy and enjoy your time because uh, it is a lot of work and it, it is nice to get there and uh, to do well. And, and if anything, you're going to learn something good or bad. So yeah, good I or bad, it. you're, it's all about, you know, it's all about learning. And, yeah. and of course, you know, um, it's and, and perspective, right? You know, right. If it works right. out, that's that's awesome, you know, uh, whatever. But failing or or not having the success you wanted to to have um, can be a really you know really great learning opportunity. So yeah, um, you know that's just all in how you look at it. And uh, when we come back from this commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products, we're gonna have all kinds of tips and tricks and 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 how to have a great mental approach to your riding. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. 
Researchers have confirmed that as horses age, they naturally become less sensitive to insulin and more susceptible to health problems caused by too much sugar in the diet. One way to reduce the sugar content in a horse's diet is to replace sugar-laden grains with a high-fat supplement. Fat is an extraordinary energy source. It is readily utilized by the horse and contains more than two times the calories of sugary grains. Equijewel Stabilized Rice Bran is an excellent fat supplement. It contains a balanced calcium to phosphorus ratio and won't cause mineral imbalances when added to the diet. Its all-natural ingredients are high in healthy fat and fiber. Best of all, Equijewel allows owners to easily replace the calories previously supplied by sugary grains. When you need to add healthy calories to your horse's diet, choose Equijewel. To learn more, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight it is book review time. Yay! We are reviewing with our Horse Radio Network auditor, Jennifer Jones, Bolder, Braver, Brighter by Coach Daniel Stewart. Jennifer from Florida, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I'm excited to be here. Well, Jennifer, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, I am uh, one of those rewriters. Um, I took a short break from the time I left high school until I was 54 years old. And uh, then I got back in horses. And about that time, I started uh, following the World Equestrian Games where I discovered Glenn on Horses in the Morning talking about the hurricane descending upon the games and quickly became hooked on all of the shows, including the dressage show. Well, hey, Jennifer, do you own a horse or, you know, what is your what is your riding level at this at this point? What's your involvement with horses? I do own a horse. I own the most magnificent little Morgan mare. She was bred in Tennessee and a friend gave her to me. Um, and she has turned out just to be, my husband's not in the room, the love of my life. I <laughs> just adore her. And um, because of Horse Radio Network and the um, endurance show that they have every second Tuesday of the month, my little mare and I, we do limited distance endurance. And uh, we have, we're in the Southeast uh, region. And so we've done rides in South Carolina and Tennessee and Alabama and Florida. And it's just lots of fun. I really enjoy it. What is, uh, how long is a limited distance endurance race? Is that right? Um, yeah. Up to 30 miles. So we do 25 or 30 miles and we have six hours to do it. And we have an hour hold. And to me, the best thing about it is the motto of our organization is to finish is to win. So I can do that. You know, yeah, I don't have absolutely. to top 10. If I, if I finish and my horse is happy and healthy, I won. Um, and uh, she is much more competitive than I am. Uh, but she lets me hang on and she takes me around all those miles and she does it beautifully. Um, so it's just, it's lots of fun. And uh, being an auditor, we have an auditor group, uh, Endurance Green Beans on the auditor group. And it's, it's hilarious. It's so much fun. Uh, we're all learning. Let's just put it that way. Um, but we share our adventures on our little subgroup there. So how, how long have you been an auditor and, you know, um, what are the benefits of it? Well, I've probably been an auditor since 2018, 2019. And uh, the benefits are I don't feel guilty for listening to all the shows. Um, it, it helps okay. appease my guilt. I am motivated by guilt a lot, uh, but also just the connections. Um, you actually get to know people in the little auditor group uh, on Facebook as, you know, social media gross as that sounds. You do. You get involved with the people and their horses and their stories. Um, and it's just a great place to go for some feedback or support. I mean, no one else understands, you know, what it's like when you don't have the right color horse pad to go with the bridle you just bought. We buy colorful bridles in endurance. They do. There are auditors there who get it, who take me seriously when I'm complaining about not finding just the right color blue. They understand. So it's just, it's nice to have a horse community. It saves your, your work colleagues and your family uh, from having, you know, to hear me talk about horses all the time. Uh, there's someone else, somewhere else I can go. 
That is, it is such a positive group. That's one of the the benefits of being an auditor is the special, it's a special group and it's so active. And I think it's wonderful. Cause like you said, you have an instant group of friends, which is super. I have Philip. He, he can't turn me down when I call him, but uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, truly having friends that get it, you can talk about horses and uh, I think it's wonderful. We have a big auditor group where we're all on HRN auditors or whatever. Glenn yeah, it's grown it. and grown and grown. Yes. And now it, there's right. lots of splinter, I call them splinter, splinter group. And, yeah. 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 So the little endurance splinter group, you know, those are my peeps. Uh, there aren't, we're an odd little group who like to go and, you know, spend six to 12 to 24 hours in the saddle. Um, and so it's nice to have them there. Uh, the, and there, there are splinter groups with people who sew, uh, you know, the, the hunter jumpers, the, the cross country people, they're just little splinter groups for whatever your interest is. There's a splinter group and there, I found that very helpful and fun. Well, that's very cool. Well, I love it. Well, another benefit is that we do pick someone to review the book club books. So can you start with the book club book? Because you, uh, Bolder, Braver, Brighter by Daniel Stewart. Yes. And uh, what, what a fun, fun book. I was a little, when I first started, number one, self-help books, I'm kind of leery of anyway. Um, I, you know, I kind of think, oh, I can do this by myself. I got this. Why do I need a self-help book? And then I read this self-help book and I'm kind of like, oh, that's why I need it. It has really good advice in it, really good ideas. <laughs> um, and this, this author, Coach Daniel Stewart, as I said, I went in kind of with a negative attitude. When I signed up for this, I was hoping y'all were going to send me a book on dressage because I know nothing about dressage. So I thought I'd get a free book and read and learn, you know, something about it. But I got this bolder, braver, brighter. So I didn't go in with the best attitude. And um, he just won me over. His uh, writing style seems like it's is much like he is. It's so friendly and approachable. He does love, um, I'm an old English teacher, so you're just going to have to forgive me here. He does love alliteration. And you see that with his title, the, the Bolder, Braver, Brighter. And he talks about wondering, wishing, and worrying, and doubt, and dread, and defeat. And um, he has more. I mean, this, this, this rhythmic language just goes on and on. And at first, I was determined to hate it. And then I just found myself just uh, reading it in a sing song and really enjoying it and finding that it helped me remember it. So darn him, he got in my head with all this alliteration stuff. Um, so I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, the He said something that I thought when, I, when my attitude was bad, um, he says something at the very beginning of the book and he says, you know, if you will just, and I'm going to paraphrase here. If you will just stop comparing yourself to others, you've got this. And I was like, well, no, duh, but that's not going to help me telling me to stop comparing myself to others. I've been doing that since I was five. And then he turned it on me and he gave me exercises to help me stop comparing myself to others. And that's when he hooked me in. He wasn't just telling me to not be jealous, not be envious, not yeah. compare, not do this, not do, not worry. He told me how to not do all those things. Or, um, you know, what I, yeah, I, I like the same thing, you know, um, I, I learned in, in sort of through, through doing my own coaching certification is you can't tell people what not to do because that won't help them to not focus it. Like you can't say, don't do this, don't do that, you know, and, and the same thing with horses, but you know, uh, what do you do? Right. Okay. I, we can yeah. all agree that not, you know, to, to stop comparing yourself, that's hard to do in a sport. That's, you know, basically brings you to comparisons, but okay. But what, what, what can I do instead? And, uh, I think that's, that was the really important part of a lot of this book is like, uh, you know, he, he will give you a point, explain it, explain why it's good, why it's not good. And then, give you real world, real life examples, and even, you know, a metaphor here and there to help you to understand what the point is, and then how to implement it into your own daily riding, daily life, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and to inspire you 
with all that positivity and, and you know, and, and that's what I really like is just like you said, he's he's got such a positive voice that um, you can't help believing and right. uh, and, and you just go, I, go ahead and, and do it. Right. Yeah. Well, I really hope this book is mine to keep because I filled in all the exercises in pen and I took oh, notes and I highlighted yeah, yeah, yeah. It's your book, it's your book. <laughs> because I was I was caught up into it against my will, you know, with my preconceived notions about self-help books, I was swept up into it. And, um, my, uh, last writing experience, my last competition, uh, before we moved, we just moved from Georgia to Florida. So I wanted to do a ride. There was a ride in Kentucky. Um, and I knew once I would hit Florida, I wasn't going to drive to Kentucky to do a ride. So this was my chance. And I went there and went with some friends. And my goal was I wanted to do two 25s in a row. Um, and, you know, I've done 15 and 25, but never two 25s in a row. And um, our first day was great. My horse was magnificent. Second day was great. My horse was magnificent until I just absolutely could not go on. I was, I felt like I was six, 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 six. And so I had to pull halfway through the ride. My horse was fine. I was the wimp. I was the, the person that, you know, didn't finish. My friends completed. They did 225. I had been beating myself up since that because I felt so badly about it. And it's as silly as it sounds, doing some of these exercises, you know, failure, it was not, you're going to fail at whatever you try, according to coach here, coach uh, Daniel Stewart. And also failure is not the end. Failure is the starting point. So he helped me look at this experience. And I know, you know, what I did wrong. I, I ate seafood the night before, unreliable seafood. I was sick. I wasn't in the best of shape that I should have been. It's, it's hard to ride that long in heat. I set myself up for failure, but now I know it's not the end. There are steps I can take. So next time I might do a little better. And instead of just making it 25 miles and 15 miles, I might make it 25 and 20, you know, or maybe I'll be able to do the full 25. Yeah. Um, And to not compare myself to the other people that I was riding with. And that's very hard because they're buddies, they're pals, but you know, he had these little exercises and it helped. Yeah, Jennifer, <laughs> I love it. And hot tip, I've also eaten seafood the night before a competition and I don't do it anymore. <laughs> I'm with you. Do not eat seafood the night before you, ri- you ride. Eat something very no. I'm a hot tip in the middle that. of the woods. Uh, and I you mean, were in Kentucky. It, I'm from Kentucky. We don't have fish here. Oh, so we were at Shaker. Shaker. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Shaker no. Uh, Shaker Town. Shaker Town. That's actually beautiful. Gorgeous. Yeah. No, uh, don't eat fish here. I didn't we're know not, Kentucky we're not was so beautiful. Yeah. There were no bathrooms out on that trail. I'm just uh, here to tell you. Oh, I, 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 I rode in a CDI with, I was in Florida when uh, it happened, but I also yeah. have a very strict rule. No fish before or seafood before. Anyways, it is now a strict rule, but, but he, you know, <laughs> the way I was looking at it has shifted in my brain. And, well, and, and I, I just want to say, one more thing that I, I'm, this is, I think the coolest thing uh, that I read in here. And I've always been, I uh, always told my children, you know, the brain believes what it hears. You need to speak kindly to yourself because the brain believes what it hears. And I'm not good at that about myself. I think horrible things about myself, but it, it, he, and beyond that, he said, um, you know, if you, if you are sitting up and your shoulders are back, uh, people who are scared or nervous, you know, we scrunch up, we make ourselves little, but if we're sitting up and our shoulders are up and back, and if we have a smile on our face, we can trick our brain into thinking we're really not that afraid. That's a good clue that I can use, you know, that these are, you know, these are steps that I can, I can take to help myself uh, not be so down on myself. The brain believes what it hears. And I guess it also believes in the actions we're doing with our body. If we're laughing, if we're smiling, if we're sitting up, not scrunching over, you know, if we're making eye contact, the brain doesn't understand that really we're a little afraid. Um, I'm definitely going to try that at the next ride. I thought that was great advice. Yeah, no, I mean, I think, and this is why Philip and I love this book and coach Daniel Stewart. If you haven't listened to his interview, definitely listen to him because he's amazing. But this is why we feel very strongly 
to, to have these books as part of the book club books. Phil and I definitely, we talk with Martha at Horse and Rider Books in Trafalgar Square to talk about the books we want to do. And, you know, these books, the reason we choose them is because we feel they fill a role and writing is mental. Uh, and, and, and I, I, we both, I, I, you know, Phil, I'm talking with Phil too, but I think we both believe in that. Right. And so that's why we chose, and, and we do choose some sports psychology books every year, um, because it is part of it. Right. And, and most of the time you don't usually go to a competition, not ready to compete or to go to a ride or whatever you're doing mm-hmm. and to have strategies and to work on them and just have little things, like you said, just sit up and smile, right? That, that makes a big difference, right? So you're tricking your brain that this is fun. Um, I think it's really important. And, and that is why we pick these books. And um, I'm, I'm thrilled that you were able to enjoy it. I, I had to laugh when you said, hey, I really, this wasn't my headspace. I wasn't there. I didn't think I needed it. We all need these, yeah. these tips and tricks. And, and this book includes so many of these little things that you can uh, implement, even if, even if you're not a competition rider, we all have goals that we're working on or, or things that we want to become a quieter rider. We want to be able to do a round circle. Well, you need some mental strategies to deal with when you have success, when you have failure, when you're thinking about things in, in, a, in a real negative light. And, and I've been there, you know, in that that dark hole, like, you know, what's the point, you know, what's the point of this? You know, I, I won't be able to do it. I'm not whatever. Like we need to stay out of that space and just all become believers in ourselves and to be, uh, you know, and have a real positive internal voice to ourselves, you know, be kind to ourselves. And, and, uh, Daniel Stewart, like, is just, he's that voice for us until we can do it ourselves. And I think what was um, what is important about this book uh, for everyone who listens to HRN is that it's not just for those um, who compete. Um, and God bless you, those who compete and, and have a judge's voice coming into your head. But even, um, you know, those of us who are riding with, with our buddies out on the trails or in the ring, it is so and even, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm about to turn 60. I'm as an adult as, you know, I'm supposed to get. It's still so hard not to compare yourself. You know, oh, look at her leg. I wish my leg were like that. Or, or look how, look where she has her hands. My hands aren't there. Should they be? And he just gave me some tools to help me stop doing that to myself. Because I'm still trying to get better. I'm taking the lessons. My horse is happy. My horse is very happy. And I, I have fun on the horse. So uh, I, I can build from there. And, and he pulled science into it, too, a learning theory in, into it, you know, talking about the, the stages of learning and, and where we are and how it feels and what you can do about it. And I recognized myself on that ladder. Um, it, it's, it, was, it was really rewarding to read this book. I enjoyed it. So thank you all so much for uh, sending oh. it to me and sharing it with me. Well, again, Jennifer, we're thankful for your time and coming on. This was awesome. And I think uh, this is why we chose this book and feel like it was really an important one. And again, if you have a chance to, to listen to Daniel Stewart's, uh, he was on a couple episodes ago. He's awesome. And and I think anybody that rides, this is worth your time. So Jennifer, thank you again for being an auditor of the Horse Radio Network. And uh, we can't wait to follow you on your journey. Oh, thank you. It was so much fun talking to you guys. Y'all have a good evening. Keeping our horses happy and healthy is paramount to horse owners everywhere. Since our horses are often a reflection of the environment we create for them, the Stall and Stable Show covers ideas that help us create the best home we can. From innovations in barn design to business best practices and lifestyle segments, there's a new episode every two weeks at stallandstable.com, Horse Radio Network, or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, tonight we are so excited. This is one of those interviews that get a little nervous because we have Sarah Lockman Tubman and her husband, Lee Tubman. They've both been on the show separately, but we have them together and hot off the presses. Sarah just won the three star Grand Prix with a 71 with first apple. So it's a great night. Sarah and Lee, welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. Thanks for having us. Hi there. 
Oh my goodness. Well, I am a fan of you both and I've been watching you all summer and your trip to Europe and just seeing you ride at Aachen. Like I had, you know, chills when I watched the video and I'm so thrilled for you guys. So let's start at the beginning. Sarah, tell us how you and First Apple are and, and then a little bit about your trip, you know, the beginning to Europe. I loved it. Yeah, thank you. We are um, happy to be back. And Apple and I are doing great. We had a super ride today and a, a personal best with a little over a 71% today. So going to Europe in general was, uh, is, is and was a dream come true. It's been a bucket list item of mine since I was young to be able to go to Europe and represent the United States um, internationally. So just being able to do that was amazing. Um, you know, orig originally we had planned on going to Southern Germany and showing in some of the Austrian shows and some of the smaller shows and kind of going under the radar uh, and just trying to get our feet wet and, and figure out how to horse show in Europe. Um, and also just give um, Apple and my other horse, Belia, a little bit of more time to uh, develop and kind of grow up over the summer, for lack of a better word. Uh, but then we were uh, named to the shortlist for the world championship. So that was amazing, but slightly changed our plans. So that is one of the reasons that we were invited and got the opportunity to compete at Aachen, which honestly, I mean, I could just die today. I'm good. <laughs> Doing one of my, again, a bucket list item, being able to go down center line at Aachen, it was just incredible. So the experience itself was completely life-changing. I have returned to the States super inspired, really motivated, and uh, I honestly just now want to work to get back there again. That was fantastic. And and I know from the, from the scores, you've been having some really great rides and just building towards whatever whatever future that you want. I you know, I truly believe that the pair of you are, are uh, a great team. It's been a really amazing process and our our kind of uh quote that uh, we have kind of to repeat is trust the process. So, you know, a few years ago when Lee and I kind of started together, we kind of took a couple steps back and and made sure to kind of go in and fill in some of the, you know, dressage basics, <laughs> our favorite, right? Um, and and sometimes, uh, you know, when you're going slow and, and kind of filling in and, and helping the horse understand certain things, I mean, it really feels slow. And I know we all can relate to just wanting it now and I want it yesterday. And especially with such a super talented horse, you know, sometimes being patient is difficult. Um, but I uh, say our, our saying that we, we repeat often is trust the process. So I'm so thankful for Lee and the fact that not only are you know, we together, we, we might be happily married also, <laughs> but uh, that our uh, teamwork together and both of our theories and styles are really amazing together. And, and you can really see it in the horses. And, you know, at the end of the day, this, this is a very difficult sport and it takes time and each horse takes the time it takes. And that's been um, part of the learning process for me, because as you guys know, this is my sport first uh big time like big tour horse i mean i rode my first ever grand prix freestyle on apple just this last season first ever in my entire career so uh it's a learning process for me as well but it's so fun and it's definitely rewarding uh when you start to see the results on the scoreboard so lee i, I kind of have a question for you because i mean you you were an international rider you were you know, have been in the arena and now, now you're a judge and, and now you're kind of supporting your new wife in, in her aspirations. What, what, is, what is that like? Well, to be honest, it's something that I've always wanted. I always wanted to have uh, a partner to do exactly what we're doing at this time. And that took a bit of a journey to kind of come to this conclusion and find somebody. Um, so I'm actually getting to do all the things that I wanted. And I had a big goal list when I started out when I first came from the West to Eastern Canada. And I pretty much checked off everything on the list. And then I made a new list. And part of the new list was doing different things. Traveling to Europe, that was the next thing on the list. And being able to do this with Sarah and that particular horse, it's really unique. As well, I made sure that when we were there that there was a balance to life. And we did a lot of other normal life activities and traveling and seeing a ton of castles and, you know, all of that type of thing. And I've discovered that having a well-balanced life 
will make you better in the area that you choose to be your best in. And in this case, being athletic, riding, competitions, stuff like that. So, um, so it was really a lot of fun for me. Um, I will say that, that the Aachen show in the beginning was a bit overwhelming. And there's just so much going on there. <laughs> so much. So yeah. <laughs> if you survive the opening ceremonies, to put it that way, and then you're able to ride, and then you survive the closing ceremonies, which you have to attend, um, it's just a huge, it's, it's the biggest show I've ever been to. And all of the, the big top, uh, big name people were there, you know, in her first class. And to even get a ribbon in the first class would be a feat, you know, you for Atlas. But it was also it was also great because both of us grew. And in our relationship, that's a constant for us. So I've never coached anybody at that level, at that big of a competition before. Um, you know, and look at all the people that are around me, you know, there at the ring. And you even saw Harry Bolt the one day he was watching. Um, so it was growth for, for both her and I, uh, you know, and, a, and just a development of, of confidence. And then the two of us, you know, talking things through together, we're at an elevated level than where we were at the beginning. So at the beginning, we were at the bottom of the pyramid and, you know, a lot of conversation, not a lot of belief. Well, some, I like that he says conversation because there were probably some real deal arguments. <laughs> some <lip throwing. laughs> That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah. But we're past that. And we're at the top of the pyramid now. And what's really, really cool is trying to get the top end scores. What is a, what do I need to do for eight, nine, and 10? And this is something that I've always been trying to teach to a lot of people, but particularly Sarah, you know, when you're working on something and, and you're trying to, to make it happen and then it's happening. And then all of a sudden I interject and say, yeah, but the neck needs to be longer. You know, and then she'd get frustrated with that because, well, no, this is how he has to go. And I said, yes, but eventually you're going to have to correct that. Well, guess what? You have to have it often because if you don't have that, someone's going to come along and say, your horse's neck is too short. You'll need to lengthen well, it. I think you should explain. So, so while Sarah was sort of getting run off with, with her chestnut stallion <laughs> and trying to render him under control, I heard in the earpiece from the other end of the arena from a, an FEI steward I'm sorry, dear. I understand you're having problems, but you'll need to make his neck longer. <laughs> and and so from this point forward, it's like I have been validated. Um, oh, so coach, that's so, yeah, exactly. So um, so anyway, coaching at that level in that environment, or even in Kronberg at Schaffhoff, all the big players are there, and it was great to be able to go and do that and have the confidence. The three of us, me and her and the horse, and and the dog. Um, and to make all that happen and to be very, very successful. So it's very uh, fulfilling. It's very satisfying. And to think about, like I said, you know, well, how are we going to score a 10? So I believe last year she got a couple of 10s for extended canter, but just pursuing that, you know, with what's next and advancing things like even at this horse show, um, you know, I think we're, we're up a percent or a percent and a quarter and the horse is constantly, you know, in a curve of change. So you also have to adapt to that and figure out what's going to happen in each test. But bottom line, life's awesome. Could really couldn't be better. Oh, well, first of all, I, I loved, you know, cause again, I, I watched your journey and I loved how you even put that, that there was balance and you guys would go and do some fun things cause you were an amazing part of the world. And I really respected that because it's easy to get sort of in your like, well, let's get ready for Aachen mode. And I, I love that you guys were able to go and, and spend some time together cause you are newly married. Um, but I also, that was going to be my question. Like, I love it that you know, that is difficult. I, I don't know if I could work with my husband like that. And uh, so, <laughs> I mean, I respect that because it is very difficult to do that and uh, to hear the story. Absolutely. You know, maybe chuckle a little. Um, but Sarah, what was it like? I mean, I think I, I was lucky enough to go to Aachen um, in 2009 and in it, the warm up there is unbelievable. Yeah. Can you explain that to people a little bit? And what was it like to be in there? Because it's, I don't think you see that type of warm up anywhere else in the world. No, I mean, I think first of all, you know, a, a few of my fellow colleagues had kind of warned me, um, you know, about uh, that Aachen is really in the spotlight as far as um, the media and social media and the public, <clears throat> um, and that they're really strict about that. 
And I mean, to be honest, you know, I, I have a horse that I don't really have to worry about a lot of stuff with that. So I, you know, I, I filed that away, but I didn't really think about it. Well, the first meeting that we had there is a, it was a 45 minute to an hour riders meeting where we were, all of us, every country was just reamed and said, we do not want bad press and there will be no roll cross. And there will be no, even behind the vertical, there will be no excessive whip use or excessive spur use or overriding or long periods of warm up. Um, and, you know, part of that was really refreshing to hear, you know, because I think sometimes, you know, especially these, I mean, Hawkins like a mini Olympics. It's, it is probably the Olympics, everybody that would have gone. Um, and, you know, to just to hear that that standard is um, held uh, high even there. So, so that was how it started. And they explained to us that, um, around the warm up, not only would we have our normal FEI stewards, but they also have hired as I forgot the name of them, but something like an FEI steward that was really specifically for the public. So if someone had a question or a concern about something to do with the horse, like to be honest, like Apple is a crazy sweater. I mean, I can tack walk the horse for 10 minutes and it probably looks like I've been on him for an hour. So it could be something just as simple as that of uh, somebody in the crowd uh, concerned about the horse's well, well-being or someone in the crowd concerned about, um, you know, an exercise that maybe a rider's doing in order to get something done. Um, and these stewards were to be, um, you know, our buffer uh, and help the, the public understand our sport and understand the horses and understand what's okay um, and not. So that was a little bit also different. And then, you know, the first day uh, I schooled my horse in the show arena because the show arena is like a football stadium. So it's like nothing you've ever seen before in North America. And uh, but I didn't bother to school the warm up and the warm up looks like the normal, normal warm up. Right. It's a normal warm up when no one's there. Yeah. And then on the day of competition, there were more people watching the warm up than I have ever seen even at a show a show at global <laughs> so that was like a little almost shocking to myself also i mean and they're peeking up above the bushes yeah. and they're almost like hanging from the trees and uh, i mean it's it's wild to see so many people there just to watch the warm-up so that's when lee was talking about the fact i was slightly getting run away with by my stallion well he did not like the heads bobbing up and down. Like people were almost like jumping above the heads to try to see the warm up. Um, so, you know, for, for anyone, I think, uh, and especially for Lee and I moving forward, since this is our goal with all of our horses, including our young horses to eventually reach this level of sport and represent the United States internationally, basically the horses just need to be really broke. <laughs> You know, like yeah. really broke because yes. there's a lot yes. of stuff going on and like I will never complain at another horse show in the States ever again because there there is no, oh, I'm sorry, there's someone that made a little noise in the crowd. Like that's that's not a thing, you know? So so I think that was really um amazing to see, first of all, that. And and for me the the main thing is like look at the sport there. That many people showed up to watch the warm up. And then that I mean, even ten times that many people showed up to watch each and every class. And I'm sure you've heard this in the past and other people have also, but I mean, if you miss a change, the crowd knows the test. The oh, you know, like the the drama from the crowd. The drama. And, oh, it's drama. <laughs> But you know what? It's exciting because these people, this is sport there for them. It's like a football game there for them. And I think that's so amazing. And I, you know, I, I know the sport's old in those countries compared to here, but man, it's, it's really invigorating to go and you ride your ride. And afterwards, you know, the crowd goes wild. Like, I mean, it's really a cool feeling. Um, but and, yeah, for sure. The warm up was really interesting. And, and you have to go out, right, Sarah? Like you can't, there's a certain amount of time to the 10 minutes. Like you can't stay, there's another warm up that's private or just yes. right in the stabling, yes. but you have to so, go out to, and it is it's standing room there, you know, it's five deep. It's, it's unbelievable. Yes. Yes. There was a, a private um, indoor arena. If um, someone felt like they needed um, some quiet time before coming out into the public or, um, you know, I don't know, a horse was having a problem with that. But I mean, at the end of the day, you've, you've, you're a 10 minute call. You've got to be in that 10 minute arena. 
Um, so it's just really important. I mean, I think it's great that we have some of these show venues coming up around the country where there's a lot more um, participation as far as people coming and watching and, and the atmosphere. But I mean, at the end of the day, now I know why everyone says you have to go to Europe. There is no other way to uh, replicate that in the States. You, you really have to go to Europe to see it for sure. So, Lee, I was just going to ask you, as a coach, is that intimidating? Like, when I coach people, I like to, you know, have my own space and 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 not not be close to. It. And we we now have the technology where we're you know speaking into someone's ear and you know stuff like that. I mean, how how did how did that affect you? And were you also trying to get get some tips from the the famous coaches that are there? Well, to be honest, it was more intimidating coaching her for the very first time at Global. <laughs> Okay. That that was more difficult. And then prior to coming to to that show, we'd already been at at one kind of as a warm up. And so, no, I didn't really find it that difficult because I just focused on what needed to be done. But there's a lot of people standing behind you watching. Um, Of course, now nobody can actually hear what you say, you know. And I often think back, often think back, for example, to Kilburn Farm or something in in the late 80s and people are yelling across the arena and i think back you know and i wonder what cindy and neil thought about me what what i said back then you know like were you saying the right thing because everybody could hear but of course now you have headsets so nobody can really hear um but no i didn't really find that intimidating because i was in my zone and knew what i had to do and and get it done i do i'm gonna interject because okay. okay, I because I for sure obviously had my own set of performance anxiety a little bit leading up to that. But I cannot even count how many times we asked me, "Are you okay? Are you okay?" And I said, <laughs> "You ask me one more time if I'm okay. I know you're not okay." <laughs> well, I do. I I get nervous yeah. for her. Yeah, so of course. Yeah, that's, probably that's probably a, more nervous than more if so. you were riding yeah. yourself. Yeah, exactly. That would actually be easier. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think many coaches could say that, right? Like it's, it's, and then being in that venue and seeing it and you're, you know, the coach gets to see everything that's happening and the riders a, a lot more focused. So I, again, I give you guys props that you're able to do it like that. That is, that is, I mean, my husband and I can't even walk the dog without a little fight. So yeah. you know, I am impressed. <laughs> well, I think when, when we went there, the, the, the trip there and getting started was a bit intimidating. And as we worked throughout the week, there were several things that happened. So after she wrote the Grand Prix test, she wasn't so happy with, with how everything went. And, you know, I need to, I need to like get him to piaf better and so on. So we went and sat in the stands and we could watch like 20 really good people. And coming out of that, uh, at one point she said, I've got to be braver. I have to be braver. I have to be braver and, and tell him he has to stay. And so when we schooled then the next day, um, she started to do that. And at this point, the horse is supple enough and through enough that he would actually accept that. And then when he accepted that, then she became more confident. And so out of this competition of Aachen, which seems so daunting at the beginning, I said at this point, when we leave on Monday, you will be completely different because of the experiences that you've had here. And then she had a very nice freestyle. And then when we left, there was a, a strong confidence in her about how she would ride him. And also with him, I think maybe um, more confidence in, in her. And then because of that, more of a willingness, which then led us to the last horse show, which was, uh, that was a lot easier um, and, and a lot more successful. And the freestyle was a very, very good freestyle. So often will not be forgotten. <laughs> and when she placed six in the freestyle, we I was Aww. over the moon. We have a ribbon from Aachen. I think I'll cast an acrylic. I mean, we have a ribbon, okay? It's a small ribbon, but it, says it means so much. Yeah, it means it a lot. Fun. Yeah. That's huge. It was, it was, so that was the part that was, that was really exciting. So I think the, the thing to sum it up, I don't think... you could not replicate being able to watch, I mean, what, 40, 50 of not only very good Grand Prix horses, but also the top Grand Prix riders. And not just showing, but but just learning from 
um, their process, you know, to watch somebody on the first training day and watch them school that horse progressively each day and then the finished product. And everybody has a little different style and some, a little different ways of getting there. But it was really inspirational to see so many different types of horses. That's to be honest. I mean, I don't know. I probably wouldn't have bought half of them. Like looking at them, I, it's not that they would be my type of horse, but so very cool to see um, these top riders produce horses, no matter how they were built or what their strengths or weaknesses were or their attitudes. And so that's the part that was really inspirational. And like we said, I for sure came out of that with some different ideas and different visuals. And it's nothing different than we had been saying, but it was something about being there and watching others do it the right way over and over again, really, really stuck in my mind. Yeah. I think that there's something to be said for the environment you're in raising the bar. If, if we had stayed here in North America for the winter and not gone, we wouldn't have the same results. But just being able to have those people around you and see what they're doing and becoming inspired by that and motivated, um, that's actually quite a priceless thing. Wow. Well, you guys are so inspirational. I just want to ask one more question because you have had a big day and you've got to get ready and you've been so generous with your time. But what is next? I mean, today you had an amazing Grand Prix. So, so what's next for you guys in, 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 your, in your life and, and, and the horses? Well, so far in the horses, um, you know, Apple, we will just continue, keep on keeping on and trusting the process. And uh, I am so happy that at every show, we are just progressively taking those little baby steps forward. So we will continue along that. And, um, you know, the freestyle, he loves the freestyle. I like the freestyle. I think it's a, a great way to help build his confidence because we can set up the test in a, such a way that it is easier for him. So that's kind of been why we've gone the freestyle route. So luckily this next year is a world cup year. So it works in our favor that we can continue on with the process that we've already started and just, you know, work our way through some of the world cup qualifiers. Uh, We are staying in Wellington this season uh, through the summer into the season. So uh, just so it was a little easier on the horses to have less travel. So luckily we will get to do a CDI every month. Um, And that's kind of part of our plan is to keep some consistency in the showing. Uh, And that has been a big help with myself and the horse to kind of keep checking in and keep getting in the ring. And then um, another exciting, I have Balea, my younger horse, who's 10, um, technically 11, I think this year, who I've had since she was a five-year-old. She will be actually doing her first Grand Prix tomorrow. Um, And then her, uh, yeah, yeah, she's really turning into a little Grand Prix machine. She's, she, uh, with the more higher level collected work has really blossomed into something quite special. So I uh, like soft plans are for her are to do some of the Pan Am qualifiers. So, um, you know, we'll just kind of continue on with our, our trading process as is and, you know, put in our applications for all the fun, crazy things. And at the end of the day to see what happens. But I think I can sp- speak for both Lee and I are our kind of longer term goals. We really want to be able to get to Europe again next summer um, after us, hopefully have a very successful winter season in Florida and, and get back to Europe with both the horses and, and do that again. Um, and just kind of keep building on what we have now. I feel so fortunate to have two Grand Prix horses. I mean, I pinch me, you know, I never would have thought this would be happening. So I really want to take the opportunity and the learning opportunity and learn as much as I can now. Um, because I think even my little young horses at home are, are feeling the learning curve. (laughs) So, uh, uh, so yeah, that, that I think is our plans as far as that goes. And then our plans personally, um, I don't know, you know, Lee is our, our activities coordinator. So Lee makes sure that Sarah doesn't stay in the barn 24 seven. So, um, <laughs> I love it. Sure. Good for you, Lee. Yeah. I love it. Yes. He ripped me away from the barn. Yes. I already have pre-Christmas planned yes. our little, uh, we always do something before Christmas and historically we've gone to Key West for the last three years. So, I've, I've changed something. I've changed something. So it'll be a bit of a surprise. Oh, I love it. You guys are so cute and you've been so generous with your time, but, um, how can we find you online? Plug, plug everything. 
Yeah. So um, Lee has a website and it's www.leetubman.com. And you can find more information about him and his coaching and setting up for clinics. Um, He does travel for clinics all through the country and into Canada. And then my website is www.sldressage.com. And you can also look more info up about me on there. Um, along with some exciting sales horses that I have uh, trickling in here and there. Um, and I also am available to uh, teach clinics. I only have a few weekends left available. But um, yeah, that's how you can find both of us. Oh, fantastic. Well, we wish you luck this week um, with your Grand Prix. I'm going to be watching and uh, we look forward to seeing you guys in Florida. Thank you guys Thank so you. much. Great to talk to you again. Well, Phil, you have a fantastic trainer tip of the week for us. Go for it, sir. I actually don't know what it is, so I'm excited about this. Well, I, you know, was uh, on my horses, and I knew that we needed to prepare, you know, our own trainer tip today, and uh, that's just how the schedule was uh, looking like it was going to work out. So then I was thinking about my daily training and and what's an important tip for somebody, but. Um, what I really think is super important, and it's hard uh, for amateurs, so here we go, what I would call is con- consequential riding. So what does that mean? That means when, as soon as I, I'm on a horse and, you know, riding, you know, um, you know a very simple uh, explanation for, you know, riding is asking the horse, you know, giving the horses cues to go, stop, turn, balance themselves, you know, move as directed is, uh, it's only possible through consequential riding. So, um, if I want to go, we all know that the universal cue for this is to put both legs on and, you know, give, give a little squeeze and the horse should move off the leg. And then to stop, it's pretty universal is, you know, when, when I don't want to go anymore, then I need to, you know, give a little bracing of the seat, uh, a little bit, little bracing of the reins, and the horse should stop. That's how I com- I'm communicating with my horse. Now, um, the complicated part is how much the horse should go, or how much pressure I should, you know, ask the horse in in the bridle to stop. Well, that's you know that's different for everybody, but. Um, the, the reason that that we become trainers is that we become more proficient at, you know, giving these cues. And um, the daily training is to uh, ask the horse to communicate what I want from the horse and how much the horse is expected to respond to these cues. Now, for the most part, I think that... Uh, you know, most horses, especially if it's a, uh, an amateur riding it, they're, they're pretty, they're kind of on the lazy side of the go cue and, and will probably, you know, sometimes ignore you when you give the stop cue, they get dull just for, just from nature. And, and that's what, that what, that's what makes them so rideable, you know, amateur friendly is that they aren't super sharp to the aids. But, uh, you know, my job as a coach and an instructor is to make sure that the, the, the riders are doing as little as possible and the horses are responding as, as quickly and as energetically as they can or that, that you know, what's the expectation of, of a go response from the horse? Is that, is that all making yeah. sense? And you know what? It's so funny because we did not talk about this before we get on the show. And I literally, this was the last lesson I taught. So it's a new student. She came, I know the horse because the horse is ridden by his owner, but his owner also lets this young lady ride him. And that was literally her question when she walked in. And I, again, I have a little inside information because the whole, the horse is older. He's like 21, but he's, he's done a pre-St. George at some time in his life recently. And, and that was exactly her question was, I want to know, you know, what is okay to ask and what is not okay to ask. And 
my, my first response to her was, well, it depends. But my second response was, you are also riding a trained horse, right? So I do think this is important to remember when you're talking about this, because expectations may be different if you're riding a 21-year-old horse that knows exactly what you're asking him to do versus a a three-year-old, right? Sometimes they don't know, and you have to give them their own specific aids that are clear, right? And so I think it is a scale, right? And, And I we talked about sort of a dial of aids from one or zero to 10, you know, obviously zero being nothing and 10 being, you know, too much. Um, and we talked about dialing the aids in and what the dial should be. And a couple of times I asked her, I said, well, how does he feel now? And she said, and I said, well, where are your aids? And she's like, a one. And I was like, well, nothing's happening. Literally nothing. So we talked about sort of that. You have to dial up because you've asked him a question. He didn't respond. So I think that's really important to remember, you know, and, and that is a good time to talk with your coach. Like you said, Phil, we've done this before. I, I, I actually wrote another 21 year old this afternoon. Right. So, um, we just have more reps at it. And we also know when, when we can say, come on, pay attention, or maybe they are not clear with their aids. But I think that also goes to clarity as well right? If you're not getting a response, you also need to make sure that your whatever aid you're giving is a clear aid, which I think is yeah, also important. I, I mean, absolutely. So I and, and yeah, I mean, yeah. there's, there's lots of uh, tools that we can, we can help the horse to understand what we want, or just to reinforce our aids. You know, there's, you know, it's, it's whips and, uh, and sometimes a little spur, you know, what consult with a, with a, a professional to decide, well, I think I should carry a whip or I think I should, I should mm-hmm. try a little spur. But I see so often in, in lessons is like the riders are working so hard and they're about, you know, at about half an hour and they're huffing and puffing and the horse is not even done. <laughs> Hasn't broken a sweat. Yeah. No, no, we're <laughs> still in walk. So again, you, you, you know, if you're going to improve um, the horse and, and dressage is about, you know, balancing and, and, and working hard and, and all of that, the horse has to do some, you know, Im- involve some kind of effort. And the only, the, the person responsible um, for that relationship is, is the rider. And, and again, like if you are walking and you'd like to trot and you, you know, you give an aid and, and nothing happens, then you have to give the aid again. Yes. And, you know, and maybe include a tap of the whip or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And that's, that's how the horses get trained to understand us, you know, um, with a reinforcement of the good behavior and, and, uh, a repetition of the aid if the behavior is not acceptable. Correct. So, you know, the riders have to kind of dial in their own level of expect expectations and then be able to achieve that expectation. Exactly. And, and, and that, that's, I guess that's, uh, in essence, uh, you know, training a horse, right? Exactly. Or, and training or, him to those eight. Right. Yeah. And, and expecting that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I totally you know, agree. Raise, raising your level of expectation. So I was thinking about this today because, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm kind of done my season. I still have a, a couple of, uh, students that are going to go to more shows. That's great. But I, I'm a little bit, uh, over showing so or just done mm-hmm. done eating um you know i i love to train so you know that's what's going through my mind right you know oh you know giving the horses a break walking around a lot you know kind of kind of some hacking and then uh like you know what am i what are my goals for this winter how am i going to achieve that and uh you know in my mind all the horses that i rode at the pre st george this year are ready to be introduced to the intermediate one that's that's a the next level of progression well you know every time you want to you know step it up the horses have to make a little bit more effort and they have to be more in tune to the rider a little bit sharper yes. on the aids or you know what i said like um they they've got to be able to give the next level of of effort when i ask for uh you know whatever it is a, a medium trot for instance or so that's that's in in my mind and in planning to say you know how am I going to be able to achieve the I one test? Well, 
the horses need, you know, I know this from experience from, you know, training horses and, 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 and riding them through the levels that th this is just how it, how it happens, right? If, if you want to go yes. to the next level, the horse has to be the next level of fitness and, mm -hmm. you know, and that, that next level of responsiveness, like what was good in, you know, as we're preparing for this season, what was good in April or May is not good enough in, anymore, right? So then, you know, we got to got to dial it up a little bit and make the horses fitter and, and introduce them to the new movements. And, and, and all of that stuff is, uh, is what, what I'm kind of thinking about, you know, how, how am I going to, how am I going to make this, my goals happen? Right. Right. No, I think it's, it's exactly right. And it's very, very common. And it is like one of the biggest comment comments that you get when you first meet a person about riding their horse. So I think you're right on. And, and I think it's a great, tip, you know, like you said, you're coming to the end of season, looking at next season, but right now I'm looking at like, well, I got to get my test better for the national championships. And it comes down to that as well. You know, when I put my leg on, I need a response and it's the same concept. So, um, I think it's, it's a great tip. So great job, Phil. Thanks for that tip this week. And we hope you guys have a great riding week. Well, as always, we love email and Facebook shout outs. Keep them coming. Love seeing everybody again at the regional championships. You guys made my day. Thank you so much. And uh, keep coming up. Phil and I love it. And as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com. And my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook or my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products. And if you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.